Hello and welcome to episode 487 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on first Saturday, April 1st, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, a reminder on the first Saturday devotion from 1925 on, Sister Lucia never ceased repeating the five conditions given by the Queen of Heaven for fulfilling the first Saturday devotion. Every first Saturday, we should, number one, pray five decades of the Holy Rosary. Two, keep Our Lady company for 15 minutes while meditating on the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. Three, go to confession within eight days before or after the first Saturday. Four, receive Holy Communion. Five, offer each of these acts in reparation for the offenses and blasphemies committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So if you're able to do that, please do so. Let us now turn to St. Alphonsus Liguri's Saturday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain her patronage. O my Most Holy Mother, I see the graces which thou hast obtained for me, and I see the ingratitude of which I have been guilty towards thee. An ungrateful soul is no longer worthy of favors. But I will not on this account distrust thy mercy, which is greater than my ingratitude. O my great advocate, pity me. Thou dispensest all the graces which God grants to us miserable creatures, and for this purpose he has made thee so powerful, so rich, and so benign. He has done so, that thou mightest succor us in our miseries. Ah, mother of mercy, leave me not in my poverty. Thou art the advocate of the most miserable and guilty criminals who have recourse to thee. Defend me also, who recommend myself to thee. Say not that my cause is too difficult to be gained. For all causes, however desperate, when defended by thee, are gained. In thy hands, then, do I place my eternal salvation. To thee do I entrust my soul. It was lost. Thou, then, by thy intercession, hast to save it. I wish to be inscribed amongst thy most devoted servants. Reject me not. Thou seekest the miserable to relieve them. Abandon me not, who am a wretched sinner and who have recourse to thee. Speak for me. Thy son does all that thou askest him. Take me under thy protection. That is all that I ask. Yes, for if thou protectest me, I fear nothing. I do not fear my sins, for thou wilt obtain me a remedy for the evil they have done me. I do not fear the devils, for thou art more powerful than all hell. I do not even fear Jesus, my judge himself, for by a single prayer of thine he is appeased. I only fear that by my negligence I may cease to recommend myself to thee and thus be lost. It is true that these graces are too great for me, who have not deserved them, but they are not too great for thee, who art so much loved by God. Hence he grants thee all that thou askest. Thou hast only to speak, and he denies thee nothing. Pray then to Jesus for me. Tell him that thou protectest me, and then he is sure to pity me. My mother, in thee do I trust. In this hope I shall live in peace, and in it I wish to die. Live Jesus our love and marry our hope. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart. O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. Holy face of Jesus of the veil of Veronica. Dear Lord, through the immaculate heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times. Blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days and communism. Pater Noster. Quies in celis, sanctificator nomen tuam, adveniat regnum tuam, fiat voluntas tua, secret in celo et in terra. 
Panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tu Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious, and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells, by all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies, For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, in reparation for the crimes of communist blasphemers and for the profaners of the holy name and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen. We're going to return for a final time, my friends, to the issue number 130, spring 2023, edition of the Fatima Crusader. The subheading was The Third Secret, What is the Vatican Hiding? The title of this article is Why the Third Secret of Fatima Must Be Released Before Russia Can Be Consecrated by James Hanisch. Now, it's the position of the Fatima Center that the consecration has not happened as it should be. Um, I thought that it had back in March of 2022, but... Seeing as how it's been over a year now and Russia still has not been converted and there is not a period of peace in the world, of course, I begin to wonder, and many people have wondered, this isn't a matter of Catholic doctrine or dogma. Reasonable reasonable people can disagree. So I'm I'm open to a number of different perspectives on the issue. And Mr. Hanisch has a very intriguing one. So I wanted to share it with you as well as all these other excellent articles from the Fatima Center. He begins by saying, in many ways, the slow, steady march of time, Fatima time, is working against us. Since June 13, 1929, when Our Lady announced heaven's formal command for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we have been in that period foretold in the great secret of Fatima, in which Russia would spread her errors throughout the world, fomenting wars and persecutions of the church, and particularly since the year 1960, when by Our Lady's express order, the third part of the secret was to have been published. We have seen those errors enter the church in full force. Only the proper consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary can bring these progressing disasters to an end and usher in a period of world peace. Yet in all likelihood, God will not grant the grace for the proper consecration without the prior full release of the third secret. First must come obedience, reparation, and conversion. The fittingness of this is apparent on several levels, especially that of plain obedience. Clearly, there can be no meaningful obedience to heaven's command for the consecration of Russia, which in essence must be an act of reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, while still persisting in disobedience to Our Lady's order for the publication of the Third Secret. 
But at the present time, there is another element needed in both of these long overdue acts, namely that of making reparation for decades of patently criminal disobedience. Heaven's commands for the consecration of Russia and for the publication of the Third Secret should have been obeyed without delay in 1929 and 1960, respectively. Church leaders have been given ample time to prepare to execute these directives, 12 and 16 years, respectively, since Our Lady announced in 1917 that she would return to ask for the consecration of Russia, and Sister Lucia made known to her bishop in 1944 Our Lady's express order that he published the Third Secret in 1960. Instead, church leaders not only refused these commands, but eventually even went so far as to falsify them, claiming there is no longer any basis for discussion or requests regarding the consecration, and that no other text than that part of the secret published by the Vatican in June 2000 even exists. Let us always speak of our church leaders with respect and in prayerful charity, but also with candor when it is called for. The enormity of their guilt before God for entrenching themselves in a program of lying disobedience to the Fatima requests is seen to some extent in the ongoing costs, both natural and supernatural, of that blasphemous course and the global destruction of Christian societies and the devastation wrought in the church and in countless ruined lives and lost souls. It cannot be denied that the culpability of churchmen for this entire tragedy is staggering, especially given that, as Cardinal Pacelli, the future Pope Pius XII, indicated, they took that course directly in the face of Our Lady's explicit warnings. At this point, a major mea culpa and demonstration of repentance is needed from church leaders, which can be nothing less than the hugely self-incriminating disclosure of the Third Secret. A final reason, which should be mentioned here, why the Third Secret must be published before the consecration of Russia can be achieved is our own guilt in the present debacle in the world and the church. True, in many ways, we are the victims of the scandals that came our way, but we must admit our own role and fault in allowing ourselves to be scandalized, to whatever extent the case may be, by the errors of our day. Very few, if any of us, have been untouched by the doctrinal errors fostered under the guise of the spirit of Vatican II, e.g. modernism, liberalism, indifferentism, ecumenism, synodality, and evolution, by the errors that are part and parcel with the Novus Ordo Mass and the sacrilegious practice of communion in the hand, or more recently the Vatican's movements toward idolatry, environmentalism, and a global New World Order, and by the moral errors involving or condoning impurity, contraception, abortion, divorce, and so-called remarriage, homosexuality, gender denial, etc., Sister Lucia described the consecration of Russia as a day of worldwide reparation. Such an act can only flow from repentance, which in turn can only come from self-knowledge. And for this, we need to hear Our Lady's own explicit condemnation of the heresies and false worship and sacrileges and immorality which have overwhelmed the church in our time. Very likely, the essence of the third secret is already reliably known both through the limited disclosures which have been made by various persons throughout the years and by the events that have unfolded in the church in recent decades. But this knowledge has been, for the most part, fruitless. 
The same force and clarity that Our Lady's own words would have carried in 1960 for the preservation of the church and the world from so many great evils will, when they are finally made known, so shake our souls and stir up such graces of repentance as can hardly be imagined. One wonders if this is the very illumination of consciences, referred to in the prophecies of Blessed Anna Maria Taigi and elsewhere. The publication of Our Lady's own words will be unimaginably powerful in bringing about the necessary correction and repentance of Catholics of all ranks. And this in itself could be the most necessary of all graces needed for the fulfillment of Our Lady's request for the consecration of Russia. The Power of Our Lady's Words At a Fatima Center conference held in 2012, Father Gruner shared these same sentiments as they had been communicated to him many years earlier by Frere Michel, the author of The Whole Truth About Fatima. I think that Frere Michel is most likely correct when he says that we will not have the consecration until we have the secret fully released, in his opinion. He told me that in 1985. He said, I can't prove it. It's my opinion. But he said that Our Lady was insulted by the Vatican's refusal to obey the command to release the secret in 1960. And God will not give us the grace of the consecration until reparation is made for that disobedience. And the only reparation that can be made that will make it up is the release of the secret. And I think that there's also a natural reason for that. The secret would be a cleansing of the church. It will stop the disaster of Vatican II in its tracks by the people widely knowing what the secret is. It will also be a call to repentance. As Malachi Martin said, having read The Secret, and as he announced on public radio a year before he died, when The Secret is released, the churches will be full, people will be on their knees, and there will be long lines for confession. They will be pounding their breasts and begging God for mercy. It will be a cleansing. The Secret is about the Pope and the bishops and the hierarchy, but it's also about every member of the faithful as well, and it is sensational. It is extraordinary, and it will be quite a shock to a lot of people. But that's not the reason for not releasing it. It is salutary. In fact, it will affect the salvation of many souls, just releasing the secret alone, and it will lead to the consecration after that. Our time is growing short. We pray that Our Lady's triumph will come before the worst of Our Lady's conditional prophecies come to pass. Prophecies of the calamities which the world must suffer for its crimes unless Our Lady intervenes on our behalf, interposing the wondrous merits of her Immaculate Heart before the justice of God. The good will be mar martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. On our present course, as Father Gruner often poignantly lamented, each passing day in which the consecration of Russia is delayed brings us closer to the annihilation of nations. But far worse, then these purely temporal catastrophes is a soul's or a generation's loss of faith. This is reliably reported to be the main subject of Our Lady's prophetic warnings in the still hidden texts of the third secret, even to the extent that vast numbers of the faithful will be led by church leaders into apostasy, the complete renunciation of the Christian revelation. Certainly, the eternal loss of any soul is incomparably worse than loss of physical life on any scale. And we recognize in Our Lady's words the potential for the sudden loss of countless souls, literally hundreds of millions of souls, being precipitated into hell from one moment to the next.
But interestingly, there are other prophecies too, which may bear on our present situation. Some have been widely publicized, others are less known. Father Gruner's comments at the conference cited above sparked a discussion among the panel of speakers concerning a little-known prophecy purportedly announced by Sister Lucia herself. A source known to Father Gruner, who was in close contact with the Carmelite sisters in Coimbra, reported the news that Our Lady assured Lucia that the secret would one day be revealed during the course of a major war. How tragic that it must come to this. But how striking a connection appears here between the third secret and the other two parts, which were likewise first made known in 1941 when the whole world was engulfed in war. Russia, World War III, and the Third Secret. Talk of World War III catapults our thoughts squarely back to the present moment. The crisis in the Ukraine has defied resolution since its eruption in 2014. Division of opinion is rife as to motives and culpability among the parties involved, but a relentless drive toward war, an unprecedentedly destructive war, seems clear. Could there be a connection between the third secret and the threat of Russian aggression against the West? In 1980, when Russia lay at the heart of the Communist Soviet Union, Pope John Paul II gave an audience in Fulda, Germany. Being asked, what about the third secret of Fatima? Should it not have already been published by 1960? The Pope replied, Given the seriousness of the contents, my predecessors in the Petrine office diplomatically preferred to postpone publication so as not to encourage the world power of communism to make certain moves. On the other hand, it should be sufficient for all Christians to know this. If there is a message in which it is written that the oceans will flood whole areas of the earth, and that from one moment to the next millions of people will perish, truly the publication of such a message is no longer something to be so much desired. The Pope was then asked, what is going to happen to the church? To which he replied, we must prepare ourselves to suffer great trials before long, such as will demand of us a disposition to give up even life and a total dedication to Christ and for Christ. Father Malachi Martin, who publicly affirmed that in his role as secretary to Cardinal Bea, he was privileged to read The Third Secret, also touches on this same issue of communist expansion in his book, The Keys of This Blood. In that third secret, Lucia's words are so explicit and so verifiable, and therefore so authentic, that were the leaders of the Leninist party state to know these words, they would in all probability decide to undertake certain territorial and militaristic moves against which the West could have few, if any, means of resisting, and the church would be plunged into further and deeper subjugation to the party state. Numerous prophecies of the modern-day mystic Blessed Elena Aiello, who died in 1961 and was greatly esteemed by Pope Pius XII, give us real cause for concern. In 1954, well after the conclusion of World War II, she warned, the world will be overturned in a new and more terrible war. Arms most deadly will destroy peoples and nations. In another prophecy given in 1959, she added, Russia will march upon all the nations of Europe, particularly Italy, and will raise her flag over the Dome of St. Peter's. Italy will be severely tried by a great revolution, and Rome will be purified in blood for its many sins, especially those of impurity. The flock is about to be dispersed, and the Pope must suffer greatly. And finally, this from August 22, 1960. 
the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, in the year in which Our Lady's express command for the publication of the Third Secret was flagrantly despised by Vatican authorities. Another terrible war will come from the East to the West. Russia, with her secret armies, will battle America, will overrun Europe. A bloody day in Rome. For almost 100 years now, since June 13, 1929, church leaders have refused to heed heaven's request for the consecration of Russia. This inexcusable disobedience will have its price. It is no exaggeration to say that there will be hell to pay. In August 1931, already two years and two months after Our Lady had announced heaven's formal request, Our Lord told Sister Lucia to convey this warning to the Pope and the bishops. Make it known to my ministers, given that they follow the example of the King of France in delaying the execution of my command, they will likewise follow him into misfortune. Years earlier, in 1917, Our Lady had shown the children's seers a terrifying vision of a Pope's martyrdom. The Holy Father passed through a big city half in ruins, and half trembling with halting step, afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way, having reached the top of the mountain. On his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. Pope Pius X spoke of a successor having his own name, presumably referring either to Giuseppe, Joseph, or to Pius, who will be forced to flee for his life only to lose it shortly thereafter, when his place of hiding is discovered. It is reported that in 1909, during an audience for the Franciscan Order's general chapter, the Pope suddenly fell into an ecstasy. Then, returning to himself after some moments, he cried out, What I see is terrifying. Will it be myself? Will it be my successor? What is certain is that the Pope will quit Rome, and in leaving the Vatican, he will have to walk over the dead bodies of his priests. The same Pope had a similar vision just prior to his death in August 1914. I have seen one of my successors of the same name who is fleeing over the bodies of his brethren. He will take refuge in some hiding place, but after a brief respite, he will die a cruel death. Numerous lesser-known mystics have echoed similar warnings. Venerable Bartholomew Holzhauser, who died in 1658, a German priest, wrote, God will permit a great evil against his church. They will come bursting in suddenly and unexpectedly while bishops and priests are asleep. They shall enter into Italy and devastate Rome, burn churches, and destroy everything. The mystic sister Maria Steiner, who died in 1862, abbess of the poor clares in Nocera Umbra, wrote, The Holy Church will be persecuted. Rome will be without a shepherd. In 1880, our Lord reportedly told Marie Julie Jehani, The Church will be deprived of her supreme chief that is now the guidance. The chief of the church will be offended outrageously. Elena Leonardi, a spiritual client of Padre Pio, wrote, The Vatican will be invaded by communist revolutionaries. They will betray the Pope. Italy will suffer a major revolt and will be cleansed by a great revolution. Russia will march on Rome and the Pope will be severely endangered. The last section is, A converging picture emerges. At the conference panel discussion mentioned earlier, Father Gruner tied all of these pieces together. The reason that Pope John Paul II gave for not releasing the secret in Germany in 1980, six months before he was shot, was that he didn't want the Russians to make certain moves. Apparently, the secret talks about some military moves of the Russians. 
But then that excuse will be completely gone when they actually make those moves. And that's why it would seem that it all ties together that Russia invades Western Europe, the Pope releases the secret and goes into hiding and gets killed. Each passing day, as Father Gruner noted, brings us closer to the terrible fulfillment of Our Lady of Fatima's warnings. Since those warnings were conditional, the question remains, will we succeed in bringing about the consecration of Russia in time to avoid the worst of the chastisements which she spoke of? Or will her promised triumph be delayed so long by our indifference and disobedience that we must endure those terrible ordeals of a near total apostasy within the church, of a bloody persecution of the remaining faithful, and of earth-shaking catastrophes afflicting rebellious humanity? The outcome depends entirely on the Pope and the bishops doing what Our Lady of Fatima requested, which in turn depends upon the bishops, priests, religious, and lay people offering enough prayer and penance and reformation of their own lives. Time will tell. In the meantime, we can take consolation in this sign of hope appearing on the horizon. If World War III is imminent, then so too have we come very near to the time of the release of the full Third Secret, and a time of purification and true renewal in the church. From there, it will be a simple matter to retrace our steps a bit further along the path of obedience till we arrive at the end goal, the consecration of Russia. So ends the article. Once again, make of that what you will. There are people who believe that the consecration has validly taken place, some who believe that it has not again. It's not like with contraception or abortion or female priestesses, things of that nature. It's not uh, something that you definitively have to believe, like contraception is always illicit, abortion is always illicit. Uh, There's no such thing as a female priest. As I stated at the beginning of today's podcast, reasonable people can disagree. And... Some people have said, and I believe uh, it was Mr. Birmingham at the Fatima Setters website who said, maybe this talk about Rome uh, being destroyed and uh, Pope passing over corpses and things of that nature, maybe that was uh, speaking figuratively and not literally because spiritually Rome and most cities of the world have been destroyed over the last several decades. By bombs? No, not by bombs. By sin. By lust, especially. So let us return to the truth. Let us return to chastity, modesty, self-control. It's incumbent upon good people, holy people, to find one another, to get married, to make babies, We need more Catholics. We need more faithful Catholics in the world. And from those holy relationships, those holy marriages, come holy vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. Look at the Society of St. Pius X. They are flourishing. They're getting holy priests. And I know the, uh, the nuns from the society as well. They're not just coming out of the ether somewhere. They're coming from holy families. Holy men, holy women need to find each other, get married, have those happy, healthy, holy Catholic families from which which we have holy priests, 
holy religious. We help to build up a truly Catholic, Catholic culture. Let us conclude by mentioning once more Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org, and also episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, in which I discuss RPM with my wonderful sister and equally wonderful niece. That's a acronym for Rapid Prompting Methodist System of Communication for Non-Speakers. It's been a tremendous breakthrough, just like sign language was for the deaf in terms of their communication, just like Braille was for the blind in terms of their being able to read. We want the whole world to know about rapid prompting methods. So please get the information out there. H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org and episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast because communication is a human right. Let's pray now for help and for healing for our non-speaking friends and family members as we ask for St. Raphael's intercession. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael, Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health, that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Memoraria to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness, hear and answer me. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the immaculate purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena. Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum, amen. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis. Sancti Osef, teradimonem, ora pro nobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 487 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. I would also ask in your charity, if you think Our Lady's podcast deserves it, to give us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Please pray most ardently for our Catholic bishops and offer up sacrifices for them. Goodbye and God love you. <laughs>